Polyhedron is a production of Headcanon Games, LLC. Please bookmark Headcanon Games for the latest in Polyhedron news. Polyhedron is sponsored by listeners like yourself. If you'd like to become a patron of Polyhedron, please go to patreon.com polyhedron. Now, on with your show. Hello and welcome to Polyhedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG related. As always, I am your host, Matthew, and unlike usual, the two amigos are not here. I have three other amigos with me. Uh, one is Sean. Hi. Tevin. Hey! And David. What's going on? <laughs> um, uh, this is a very special episode because these are three very good friends of mine that I have gamed with on multiple occasions, um, and I wanted to bring them into the studio today because uh, because this is an audio-based podcast, you can't see that these three lovely people are people of color. Uh, therefore, <laughs> I wanted to make this episode about them and their experiences. I want to hear from them about being a minority in such a niche sort of subculture, um, which That's has fair. its... That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, because, I mean, gaming, when I grew up, and we'll just dive right in, I don't have any news for anyone. Um, when I was growing up, um, I had mostly, you know, white friends, and, uh, and then I got into gaming, which is mostly at that time, well, white people. And occasionally we got someone, a person of color or another ethnicity, but it wasn't very common. Um, and so as I grew into my gaming experience and went to college, guess what? I meet new people of much more diversity than I'm used to. And I've learned a lot from them because of it. And through a lot of LARPing, especially between Sean and Tevin, um, I got to know them better. And I wanted to really bring, and I want I and you all, the audience, I wanted to showcase what their experiences were like to sort of see how the other half or third, fourth live, as it were. Um, but yeah, man, I feel like my early role-playing game experiences were a lot like yours. Yeah. Like, I gamed with a couple of white guys. Like, I had, I had like, my, my entire group <laughs> was just a bunch of white people. And uh, my, in my early gaming experiences... Um, I started gaming in the mid to later 90s, mm. and a lot of the illustrations in those books were just, you know, like, really awesome white guys doing really awesome stuff, like, mm. and I wanted to be doing that stuff, but I couldn't even find a picture of a dude that looked anything even close to remotely like me, mm -hmm. so I feel like during the mid to late 90s, I just played a white guy in my group. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I can imagine. Like, like, no, I just, I like, and, 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 and here's the sad thing, like, my my imagination had been so co-opted by these worlds that I wanted to adventure in that I couldn't even imagine a person that looked like me saving the world, really or fighting a dragon or 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 doing any of those things. It wasn't, and I and I hadn't come into myself. I just really wanted to play these games, and it's hard enough at this hobby, like finding people to game with, you know. And I grew up and. There weren't a lot of people that I knew growing up, growing up that that were really into RPGs. So. No, no, no. It was even me uh, when I was growing up. It was like I knew about five guys, six guys. Yeah. That were kind of into the hobby, and uh -huh. those were the guys you gamed with. Like you didn't know anyone else. Yeah. And so if that was your group, that was your group. You couldn't just be like, "See you later, bye, bye, guys." It wasn't as socially acceptable to be a gamer that it is nowadays. Yeah. So I'm assuming you got started early. You got started in the teens in, yeah, during yeah, high yeah. school. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm assuming you started in like D and D. Uh, actually, the first game that I played was Cyberpunk 2020. Oh, Ooh. hey, yeah. And yeah, I, I went through that book, and I mean that that book was awesome. Uh, our Talisorian Games put out a great product. Mm. I actually think that Friday Night Firefight and that whole rule set from that game holds up today. Like I could play that game. And still feel like, wow, this is really cool. I need fun. to look at that. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I've never, I've never sat down and looked at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the second edition um, Cyberpunk game was amazing. Mm -hmm. And even there was even some diversity because it was written by Mike Pondsmith, who's, you know, he is, is, a, is, is a person of color. He wrote the book, and it was just a really great game. And we got together, and we're in Night City, which was the default, like, setting. <laughs> it was, mm -hmm. like, the default setting for Cyberpunk 2020. And I... Ja like I, I slotted in, my friend slotted in, and in the descriptions I was like, my name's Mike Hammersmith, and 
I'm a white guy. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a white street samurai guy. It was, it's not street samurai. There's solos in that game. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But I was like, and I'm this, you know, hitman for hire kind of thing. And it was weird because, like, that was one of the games where diversity and different ethnicities and backgrounds were really kind of like, if you wanted to, like, like made your runner really unique. But in my group of friends, like, I just... I didn't feel okay playing myself, and that's really something I want to address. Like, like feeling okay, being like, "Hey guys, is it cool if I play a Filipino guy?" Like, yeah, I, the, in this yeah, game? I, like, wouldn't that, that be cool? That's absolutely not the experience I had. But again, I the culture was behind my back on that. Like, I couldn't imagine not being that. I mean, I played characters of other ethnicities before, but that was much later. Like mm-hmm. when I, but when I first started, of course, you're gonna sort of like put an avatar into your character like you're just you but with superpowers right mm-hmm. oh, um man. so my first gaming experience was basically online and the key thing that happened that really brought in the whole person of color thing for me was like uh it was it was a real bad moment so like uh for my first couple of games played D because that's what i wanted to get into and where I, where I grew up, there really wasn't a game scene, but luckily I grew up in an era where computers existed, so I got mm-hmm. into that through online. Mm-hmm. And, like, there was this guy who was playing people of color, and he knew I was black, so he was trying his best to, like, throw in things that, like, I would be interested in, and I had to basically pull him to the side and be like, hey, man, so I know I'm black, and I know you want to have, like, people of color be here, but um, I'm not from Africa. And I don't want. Oh my god! Oh my god. <laughs> and I don't want like he basically brought in these people that were like from another place, Africa, and there was like slavery. It was Africa, and <laughs> oh my god! And while they were really awesome people, because they were they were really awesome, they were like the thieves guild and like back backroom sorcerers kind of awesome. And I was like, hey man, I know you're trying. Just stop. <laughs> I, give a, I give you an A for effort. That's about it. And Sean, what about you? How'd you get started? Okay, so actually my very first, you know, role play, like I've never done D&D or anything beforehand. It was about six six or seven years ago. Mm-hmm. It actually started with Force of Doors. Yeah. Um, like, you know, I talked to Christine. I met them all at, uh, at college, and that's when I came. And I remember my first game was at Indian Springs, and it... It didn't click with me right away because I'm used to actually just being around white people and having mm-hmm. white friends. And it wasn't until the next game that I actually met Matrice there. And it just naturally happened that we were drawn together because she's like, hey, I thought I was the only black person playing this. And I'm like, hey, here's another black person. <laughs> and it um, basically, you know, me and her start hanging out and it slowly grew like when Tevin joined and Herschel joined and we just naturally started hanging around each other. Yeah. And it wasn't us trying to separate ourselves from the others or nothing. It's just like because our experiences were basically mimicking each other. And uh, one of the problems that we started noticing was that we would get confused with each other. Like people would, someone once talked to Matrice for about five minutes before they realized it wasn't me. What? (laughs) I'm trying to remember that. I hope it wasn't me. Holy crap. It wasn't you. It was someone else. And she came back and told me. And I'm like, really? I'm like half a foot taller than you. Poor Tevin over here gets him and Herschel. Yeah, him and Herschel. Uh, Herschel was another gentleman that I asked on the podcast, but he couldn't make it out tonight. But they're very similar in build and height. So if, if you're, I hate to say it, if you're not very familiar with it and you're you're not paying attention, you could try to accidentally mistake one for the other. Yeah, it's it's. Here's a quick tip. Quick tip: if you ever mix up two people of color, just fix it. Don't 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 make it more awkward. Because the worst thing you could do is what happened. Like, <laughs> yeah, like what happened was the very worst thing. That's so great. If you ever see like Herschel and you think he's me, don't call him not Tevin. <laughs> oh man, call him by his so name. Rough. Call call him if you don't know his name. Just say you or anything that's not not Tevin. I, actually, I'm notoriously bad with names if I've just met you, regardless. So I'll just say hey you. But um, Herschel, I kind of had to remember because of The Walking Dead, because there's a character named Herschel, and I had never met an actual Herschel before yeah, yeah, in yeah. person. So I was like, okay, I think I can I can lock this one in. All right, you're Herschel. And he always plays the silent, awkward guy in the corner. So this works. <laughs> oh, 
And see, Ebony will get confused. Like, people will confuse Ebony and Matrice, and people will confuse Matrice and me. I can see more Ebony Matrice. Uh, Ebony being an extremely short black woman. So, I can always tell, was like, that's Ebony. She's literally the shortest person around. And I'm a short guy. I'm not very tall. And so, I was like, that's Ebony's over there. And it just got to a certain point where me and Matrice would just shrug it off and we're like, man, if we ever wore like the same clothes, people would just lose their minds. Well, okay. So we've got some backstory of all of you guys and how you experienced. David already talked about like you kind of had a hard time as you were growing up sort of imagining the the ethnicity that you are as your character. Yeah, yeah. When did that sort of break out for you? When did that sort of... When did you go, you know, screw this, I'm going to be who I want to be, and that was, that, that you could do that? So, uh, it was with First Edition Exalted. Mm. Uh, First Edition Exalted, yeah. in the character creation section, uh, they go through character uh, creation, and if my memory serves me right, it's this uh, Solar Exalt, which is, so in Exalted, the the Solar Exalts are like the... the like Super the, awesome Super heroes. awesome prime hero characters. Yeah. And they were going through character generation. They're describing this person's background. And I get to one of the pages, and they like, it's a smith. It's really engaging. I'm really into it because I love the system, and I'm looking forward to rolling all these dice. And I flip the page, and there's a person of color in, like, a boat. That... And that's the character. And I was like, that's amazing. Like, I, it, just, it just popped <laughs> and clicked in my head. What? I was a really messed up kid, apparently. Because, like, <laughs> like, I just I looked at it, and I went, it's Okay. Like it's okay. Like I can, I can be me, and it's okay. And I can, and I can be this like chosen of the unconquered son. I could go on adventures, and it's so weird that I needed. I felt like I needed permission. You know, I felt like I needed permission to make those kinds of characters, and then I just started doing. Yeah, it. Yeah, like, it, it's interesting. I'm, I've always got this like base theory is like um, mankind sometimes doesn't know it can do something unless it's unless somebody else tells it it, it can do it. Like. Oh yeah, you can you can hop over the moon. No, you can't hop over the moon. Then someone does it. Like, oh yes, I can hop over the moon because mm-hmm. I just saw someone do it. But the idea of I believe that character was Mara Jade. Maybe I forgot her name. Um, I have her in the book. She's actually on the shelf somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was another person of color in that book. He was the Zenith cast. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was one. He was the main yeah, Zenith. Panther. 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 Yes. Yeah, his name was Panther. He was a pit fighter. Oh my goodness, I remember so much about this book. Like, yeah. But it was yeah, it was my first experience. Flipping through pages and seeing character, and also Harmonious J. That was it. J. That Harmonious was J. Harmonious J. Was was the uh, was like a, there were there were there were several characters and it was a, a diverse group of people mm-hmm. and it was like and they were these these great heroes and I just wanted to play like I had never I, seriously I never wanted to play a game as much as I wanted to play Exalted when it I, was really when cool. First edition book. was very robust because of its initial design and the concept it was coming from because it took so much from like greek myth but then sort of injected anime which was super hot at the time Mm -hmm. and there was like hey here's this super ultra over the top you get to roll like 20 dice to defeat your foe oh the rolling of all the dice was the best because you would get your dice pools up to like 20 and then even more than 20 dice like you would roll like 20 dice and then if you had certain powers you'd pick up some of those dice stare at your buddies playing be like yeah i got this many too and like roll those dice and it was dope like, it, was, it was a really, it was just, a, it was just a really fun game. Yeah, so it is. that was that was the really, I think, the turning point for me. Cool, and and you guys? Um, for me, it was, and I'm sure, I'm sure, John will be listening to this because th- this is a story he's involved in. Because I never corrected him in that, like, he always described my character as being black, but when I originally described him, he was not. Mm. But the thing was, the reason he was not was because I really hadn't played a person of color ever. Up until this point, and this is like me in college, and I it was D and D Fifth Ed. They released this this play this game called um, Murder at Baldur's Gate, mm. and one of the main characters you meet off right off the bat is a guy named um, Older Ravenguard, and he's a black guy. And they don't explain him. They don't be like he's from here or anything. He's just black because he's black because that's what he is, <laughs> <laughs> and like. That experience, I was like, oh, so I could just... And then I thought about it, I was like, wait, that's a good point. Why doesn't Lord of the Rings have black people? Why aren't they just black people just around? There's, there's need to, there's need, they don't need to be explained. You can just... It's fantasy. If there's yeah. orcs over there, I can be a black person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't have evolution. They, yeah. they just have spontaneous generation. You can explain exactly how it is. You can have black people. You can have anything you want. Um, and Sean, what about you? 
Um, let's see. Uh, okay. So of course, before I started role playing, I read a lot of fantasy books, yep. but of course, none of them actually had any people of color as you know the main characters. And then I came across one of the books by Tamora Pierce as her Circle of Magic series. And one of like when she's you know introducing the characters in the very beginning, one of the characters as she's describing them having you know braids in her hair and of course describing her her skin as the color of chocolate i was like oh, it's a black person in a fantasy book <laughs> and so um of course when i first started playing because my only role play experience really is like live action role play with larp mm-hmm. uh of course when i first started playing you know i played a fairy and then I played a character from the Desert of Brass, which, you know, it's like Arabian Nights, basically. But it wasn't until I played Fractured and I was coming from the uh, Blighted Finn, which is basically all the swamp cultures you can imagine from around the world. I was like, hey, I can actually play like a voodoo priestess style character. And you did it very well. And because um, I got the idea because my family is actually from Louisiana. Okay. And I was like, I can actually have a character that's influenced by my real life culture. I never thought of doing that before until then, so that was really exciting for me. That's very cool. Um, going back to your D&D experience, it's actually interesting. Um, fifth edition, um, the book, actually has a lot of diversity in it, um, uh, and Exalted, also their third edition came out. One of their main characters, uh, while not exactly a person of color, it's, it's another sort of step in that direction, mm-hmm. is the first transgender character yeah, there is actual awesome. there actually is a transgender character that is a i believe transgender man she was a woman um then but claims herself as a man and uh, because of her cultural background i believe but in general it's 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 a gulted pushing that envelope again and definitely having D try to push that envelope and having a huge diversity of characters i remember opening up like the second edition Dungeons and Dragons guide and going, okay, these, these are your elf, here's your human, here's your dwarf. Guess what? They're all white guys. They're all white skinned yeah, yeah. people. <laughs> but if I open up the if I open up the fifth edition book and I had like the size comparison charts, like how big is an average race to another race, mm-hmm. the men, women, uh, different skin colors all around, just like mm-hmm. a huge diversity of there. And I, I thought it was very progressive, very good mm-hmm. thing to do exactly what you showed, which was Yes, it showed to anyone out there going, yes, I can be that. I mm-hmm. can do that. And I will do that. And mm-hmm. I'm like, all right. Yep. So I, we have not praised D&D. Now let me make fun of D&D. You guys, I know we're talking about people of color, but if you guys just want to jam about a game, we can jam about a game. I do not so care. So here's, so fourth edition, fourth edition did have a little bit of diversity because their fighter guy was black. And I had, I struck up an issue with it because I looked at it and I was like, all right, so this is a black guy. He's got dreadlocks. Da, 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 whatever. I was like, okay, sure. You're dreadlocks. You get a pass. Everyone does dreadlocks for some reason. No one does dreadlocks. But, uh, and I looked at his armor. I was like, cool. But what's with that shield? Because it was like a leaf, like straight out of Africa shield. Mm. And I was just looking at it and I was like, why does he have to have that shield? Why do I now have to question where he's from? Mm. <laughs> like, why can't I just be like, he's a fighter with a shield. But, like, why'd you have to give him that one? Why couldn't you have just given him a kite shield like you would have given anybody else? He has to have that specific, like, specifically African cultural shield that is from nowhere in D&D because nowhere in D&D is like that. Well, <laughs> definitely not in, the, like, the base setting, yeah. especially not 4th edition. No, yeah, like, none of the base not. settings are like that. Why does he have that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, like, I played a, uh, I mean, uh, Call of Cthulhu is a game that has... I like horror games. I like I like a lot of the themes that are in Call of Cthulhu, but it doesn't really paint like a very like people diverse people in a very good light at all. I remember, and this was actually when I was kind of coming into my own and playing the characters I wanted to play. Uh, we were we were gonna go to look into a mystery at Innsmouth, and it was gonna be really creepy. And I'm like, I want to play a fisherman, and I'm gonna be searching for my family because they went missing like in that area, and. This is this is a conversation I had with my my ST. He was like, "Well, what's your character's name?" Like, and he was really nervous. And I'm like, "Why would you be nervous?" Like, and I'm like, "Oh, my character's Andre Reyes. Like, he's a Filipino guy." And then he just sort of like went, "Well, he wouldn't be in this area." And I'm like, 
What do you mean? <laughs> You've got Cthulhu in this area. You've got deep ones in this area. You have people that look like fish people in this area. I thought for a second, I thought when you said that story, I was like, oh, it's Innsmouth. It's the Innsmouth's horror. I thought it was like the Dagon stuff. Like, oh, you're one of the, you're like one of the, like the blooded of the old ones. Like, I thought that's where he was well, going see, with that. That actually, that happens a lot in, in Lovecraft stuff. Yeah. And he was just like, well, like he just, we just proceeded to have this really awkward conversation in a McDonald's. <laughs> it wasn't even like at his house. Like we were just talking about character concepts, and like, and this was the conversation I had with him. It's like me trying to defend me wanting to play a Filipino character in a fucking game where there are fish people and things that can destroy the fucking world. Like it's just, it's just bananas, man. Like. It was, um, and then, I mean, I played my goddamn character. (laughs) 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 It was, uh, it was, uh, it was great. That's the end of that story, but. See, I have kind of an opposite of that. Like, when I first started playing Werewolf. Okay, Mm -hmm. so, my friend Abby had invited me to come play Werewolf. Uh, that Friday, I stayed up till, like, six in the morning, just shotgunning Game of Thrones. I can't remember what season it was. So, the next day, like, at ten o'clock, she wakes me up, like, hey, do you still want to come play? And I'm like, sure pull on whatever i had on ran out the door and um when we got there i ended up wanting to make a shadow lord and everyone was like oh you've never played before they're like why don't you start with like a black fury or something i'm like no i like the concept of the shadow lord i start there and one of the other uh like her his character was a higher up shadow lord he like pulls me to the side starts helping me make a character he designed it so that you know i'm his cousin and everything it's like He's a white guy. I'm obviously a black chick, but he he found no issue with making me one of his family members. That's awesome. Mm, that's really. And that's cool. what I thought was super cool. Uh, that's also another thing that has to do more with gender. Was uh, you said, "Why don't you play a black fury?" And like, I've seen a lot of games, and I always see you no. Know, some girls, are, some women are like, "Yeah, I'm going to play a black fury and just do it to bits." But it's also like. There are also women in the other tribes. They have women. I promise they wouldn't have more than, wouldn't have that many <laughs> if there weren't women in those tribes. Does not mean that she necessarily wants to be an Amazon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean Amazons are cool. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually feel like LARPs. Like if you're playing in LARP, you come to that because it took me years to get okay with it. If I if I found a LARP and I and I walked in that LARP and I looked around and people were like, well, what are you playing? And it was like we'd be vampire at the time. It's like I'm playing a bruja. I look like fucking me, you know. Like, <laughs> there wouldn't be any issue because, like, I wouldn't have to go through descriptions. There wasn't where there wouldn't be like this this weird moment where people would be wondering what I looked like. It would just be like, and I'm playing me, and I didn't put any makeup on. I'm not in stilts. I'm my size. I'm my color. I'm a, I'm a dude bit, here. I'm, I'm a little buffer naturally, like in in like in the story than I am in real life because you know, like. We'll just have that nice little like imagination Photoshop that fixes all of the, uh, all of the weird face, bit. put it on a buff body. Yeah, there yeah, you go. yeah. Like so, but I mean, I feel like if I had uh, if I had come to LARP sooner, I would have. I didn't start LARPing until like the early two thousands, and then it was salon LARPs. It was like it was the the event mob. It was Vampire Mind's Eye, uh, Mind's Eye, yeah, Society, yeah, yeah. You know, Mind's Eye Theater, and it was yeah. I, I actually found a lot of confidence because I would just show up and play my character, and it was me, and it was. And it was great, and then I would go home and be like, I did so great tonight. Yeah, it was also like, and I got my similar start. I was in Camarillo for a while. I did a lot of uh, salon stuff. And it's just like the physicality of it, plus the larger table size, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, I got, instead of just entertaining your five friends that all know each other, you have to interact with 20-odd people that not necessarily your close friends, and maybe some one or two of them you don't particularly like, and they don't particularly <laughs> like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've got to deal with them, and you've got to deal with the situation you're in. And that sort of, uh, well, gamers are all generally socially awkward nerds. And I assume it's the same for all of you guys. Oh, yeah. No, totally. Um, right. Definitely. Is, is like, it, it helps you. Um, LARPing helps you sort of get out of that. You start mm-hmm. breaking out of that. You start experiencing what it, what you can do and what you socially can do with other people, which I find great um uh, that's actually my problem now i'm gone back to doing some salon stuff from mm-hmm. doing a whole bunch of offer mm-hmm. and my problem is i'm like i'm looking at some of these guys I'm like where where's your costume yeah where's your makeup yeah. where's your, no don't <laughs> say I, I look like this no i want you to go to the bin get some costume put it on put some makeup on make me feel like you're that dude over there instead of just this other dude dude 
I've, I've, I've worn the index card suit before. Like, uh, I know what you're talking about, ooh. man. Like, because I've had days crazy. Where, like, I'm like, oh, I should do makeup, but I'm just gonna phone it in. And I'm just gonna put an index card on me that like is like says Nosferatu sup. Like, you know, like. Uh, yeah. <laughs> See, for sup. me, because I started with like buffer larping. You went on the deep end first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure, no one told you. <laughs> like, yeah, so when I went like... to salon, it's like, no, my character, like, I'm wearing the paint splattered T-shirt and having the green hair and everything. Like, this is what my character looks like. And I'm actually, like, in costume. Because mm-hmm. that that's what makes sense in my brain. So when people tell me, like, oh, my character looks like this, it's like, give me a second to imagine that. <laughs> I haven't trained my brain to sort of switch. I, yeah. I mean, I really, I feel like Boffer Larps are really great that way. Just because, like, you're really immersed in the environment. Like, you're yeah. out, you've got stuff, you're hitting people, you have adrenaline going through your body. Like, it's just a really, like, it's really cool. I haven't done a, I have not done a lot of buffer stuff, but it is super immersive. And I imagine going from that to like, we're all just kind of standing in a room, guys. And like, we're yeah. not outside. It's a little weird. I will say it's a little hanging weird. Out. I mean, it's cool, but like, maybe if we went to a different location than just this, like, this, like, buffet style room <laughs> that we're in, this Ritz so, restaurant. So we started this werewolf game, and I came in. Uh, we're on the, we're on the, a park, a small park. I'm in a three piece suit. Because I'm like, I'm going to wear three pieces. There's so many people in suits. No, no, that was the problem. That was the problem. I thought I was going to be the only one. I thought I would stand out from the crowd. No, there's two other Shadow Lords here, and they all have suits. I still had a three-piece suit. They did uh, two-piece suits. I had a three-piece suit. I was better. And and I got them to think I was a Shadow Lord. Not a Shadow Lord. Not nice. a Shadow Lord at all. Definitely not a Shadow Lord. No, because they were like, oh, he's in a suit, and he talks with a vaguely European accent. Okay, he's a Shadow Lord. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, you guys are not. Were you Silver Fang? Oh, I'm an Ananasi. Oh, oh, I am, oh, I am, I am off the rails. Oh, yeah, I am a spider. Awesome. <laughs> so they're all like, "Oh, this I like this guy. I want this guy around. I like him. I think he's good." And I'm like, "You guys don't know who I am." Okay, that's fine. Continue with your assumptions. So I got I got a LARP story that was kind of awkward. It was it was super <laughs> duper awkward because I was sitting there and it was like, "Well, where do you want me to go from here, man?" So like. Playing playing ATE, I'm playing a character in like a year zero, which basically happens uh, twenty years twenty years before the yeah current twenty years is. after current uh, before current continuity yeah so basically I play out that character's story and he becomes like this powerful guy enthralls himself inside of this dam and becomes an immortal like lich he goes yes. lich king yeah basically yeah. it's a nano lich that's yeah. what he is um I have a daughter who is played by Rachel who is white and someone like asked me was like. So how how did she come out so light skinned? I looked at him and I was like, "What? What, what do you oh, want me to say?" Oh, <laughs> how about use your imagination? That's I mean, all you need. Don't come on! Don't make me. Yeah. That's that's interesting because I I play ATE too. That did not cross my mind. <laughs> that literally did not. I was like, "Oh, she's playing a daughter. Fine, moving right along. Got other more important things to worry about right now." I got hit with that question and I was just like, I, I literally was like, "I'm I'm not gonna answer you, man, because this is kind of awkward." I have an awkward one just like that. Um, So, uh, in the beginning of me playing Force of Doors, you know, I talked about it at the college I was going to, and there was uh, a a gentleman who was interested and obviously, you know, socially awkward nerd or whatever. So, I was trying to talk him through him, help him with it, and I explained to him that my character was a fairy, but she was of the subgroup, the brownies, you know, the more serious fairies who wear boots and everything. And as as soon as I said that I was a brownie, he's like, oh, because you're black? And I'm like, what? No, that is not it at all. I know you're delicious and everything, but no. It's like, what? How did you? Okay. Interesting. Uh, I I guess, um, I guess being socially awkward white guy, uh, I I don't have the, obviously don't really have those types of experience. Obviously I've had socially awkward experiences because, well, I am what I am. But I, I guess uh, the, and this is why I wanted to bring you guys on because you can explain those types of scenarios and those stories to our listeners so they understand a little bit more what it's like for anyone um, of diversity in this hobby because we need as many people as we can get. Even with pop culture and fantasy and science fiction being in the mainstream. mainstream. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was going to high school, and maybe you all can relate, like, you kind of had to keep it on the DL most of the time, mm-hmm. even from your parents. My parents didn't know I was into like gaming and stuff. I remember the first time my mom found my vampire books. Mm-hmm. She was like, "What are these? Mm-hmm. What are you doing?" And he's like, and "He's like, 
what do you play? I was like, I play vampire. She's like, what? What are you doing? I'm like, mom, I'm not doing drugs. I'm fine. It's just make-believe. That's all it is. But it's just like, and even, but nowadays, and especially in co- by the time college hit, you had Lord of the Rings. You had mm. all this fantasy stuff hit mainstream. So it's cool to be a nerd. It's cool to be to like these things. Mm-hmm. But even gaming has grown. It's still a little inclusive, and that's something I think everyone needs to to sort of come to the table on and and deal with directly. Because you do have nerds that are just like, well, I don't want these people in. And not specifically of a, a person of color, but like. I don't want outsiders coming into the thing that I feel like I have control over. Because yeah. I can definitely relate to that when I was younger, going, I didn't want to interact with more people because this was my thing. And if I brought new people, I don't know how that's going to change yeah. the dynamic. Yeah. Um, but I think with your experiences, we, everyone listening needs to go, you know, don't be that guy. And I think we're getting better because a lot of us nerds are getting older and we're able to teach our children and younger people in the hobby going, you don't need to, it's okay, we understand where you're coming from and you can, you you should let people in. Yeah. I mean, like, like, you want diversity in your fucking buffets, like, why would you want in your role-playing games? Like, you want, you want to, I guess, like, have people with all different manners of experiences coming from all different backgrounds. And I remember back in those days, man, when I started playing RPGs, it was like I was buying drugs from Office Depot. I would would have the books, like, shoved in my fucking jacket, and then I would, like, go inside, and I would just, like, go to the machine where I wouldn't have to interact with the teller, and I would just pump my change, because it had a little change slot, because this was before, like, they had the cool card reader things, and I would run off my character sheets, and then... Oh, yeah, doing the whole Xerox thing, man. Yeah, just, just boom, Xerox. Bending the book. Yeah, yeah, bending the book, trying to be careful with the spine, but you're not really caring, because I'm really young. And, like, and then printing out all these pages and then, like, put, taking them, putting them in my, my, like, really big Jinko pants and then, like, just then rolling out. Like, and then now I went to, an, like, when we first moved here to where, to the area where you shoot your show, uh, myself and my fiance, where we were, we, we were new, we're in our apartment, we just unpacked, and she's a gamer too, my, uh, my fiance Antigone, she's really into games, and we go to the Office Depot because we're gonna, we're gonna go get copies and I bring the vampire book, right? Like the the like the old green vampire book, and I bring it to the front, and there isn't. I'm, I'm bummed because like I'm still I still feel weird weird about it sometimes. So I go up to the counter. I'm like, can you print off this page for me? And the dude at the front ca- counter was like, vampire, yeah, yeah. Like like I just had this experience where we like I bonded with this cat for a couple of minutes just talking about vampire and the gaming experiences. And yeah, like the hobby's really it's really changed, and that's that's really cool. Like. I, I definitely feel like I guess like there are games out there now that are really making space for people. Um, like there are there are new there there are huge amounts of independent publishers coming out with games. Like Monster Hearts is a diverse. Uh, it's it, it's a game put out by Joe I think Maldonado. If that if that's not right, then I apologize to the author of that book. I really should check my reference before I came on. But Monster Hearts, you basically you you are in Monster High School. It deals with all the emotions of high school, and it deals with this. yeah. It, it, it deals with all of that stuff, and it's powered by the Apocalypse World system, and it is a great game. You open it up, and it it shows, like, it's just like high school, man. Everybody's there. It's really diverse. You could play all these different kinds of great supernatural characters, mm-hmm. and the game is really geared to you having this wonderful narrative experience uh, with all of these people from different walks of life, and it's really, it's really, really cool. Like, it's interesting that you talk about copying stuff because I used to work at actually uh, Copy Max. Yeah. So I was the king connoisseur of making character sheets, like <laughs> trying to like lay them out just right and get them folded. Like I used to play Legend of the Five Rings. And I remember oh, specifically man. for hours when I had nothing to do, I would take the book and try to copy it so I could have like fully folding four sided. Uh, like eight-sided pieces of paper so you could just unfold everything and then there's your entire character sheet in this lovely little book um and it's just it reminds me but now everything's pdf so you just print off the pdf so you don't have to worry about the spine yeah yeah, yeah. the copy and all that so um speaking of diversity so i'm an artist and i love you know like i said fantasy sci-fi stuff and so for longest uh like a couple of years ago, I started trying to find more people of color in fantasy art and it was like pulling teeth. It took me hours to find anything good. And sometimes I literally have to put in like the term African to find 
anything slightly related. So, of course, they all in the Sapphire. Yeah. And unfortunately, like, you know, I I basically got a lot of, you know, girls with spears standing next to a panther or a lion. And it's like, I didn't mind those. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, come on. There has to be more people of color in, you know, sci-fi fantasy art. And so that's one of the reasons why... I am like one of the reasons why I am becoming an artist because it's like I see this and I'm like I want my nieces to grow up and be able to see themselves in this stuff and find their representation. So I actually have on Pinterest it's a a board that I've collected just a bunch of art like that mm-hmm. on because mm-hmm. it's so hard to find. But there's there's been a lot more artists who've come out with it and like a lot of the Eurocentric views that are shown for fantasy and stuff like even when I went to the Ren Fair like it never clicked with me right away when I start going to the Ren- Renaissance Festival and you know hanging out basically with all the people I met through and LARPing but like uh it just slowly dawned on me like everything is super Eurocentric and it's like there's just it's not really a barrier but there's just that slight difference of mm-hmm. how there's not as much representation yeah. so it's it's kind of odd for me but um yeah, no, there's, like, I found two subgenres. Uh, one is called Steampunk, which is specifically black people yeah, in... Got the word funk in there. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's especially black people in But it is cool things. looking. I've seen it what is, you posted. It's really cool It's looking. really cool. And there's also one called Afrofuturism, which is black people in sci-fi art. So I'm like, okay, so there's these little niche genres for us, but at the same time, it's like, it. It still isn't commonplace yet. And actually, Sean, if you want to, after we're done recording, if you want to give me some links to some of those, I'll mm-hmm. put them in the show notes so people can link to it directly. Okay. I'd, yeah. I'd be happy to do that. Um. So I'll show my. I guess I'll, I'll rip my story of, of of the weird like trying to figure out myself and stuff. So one of the th- series I love the most, the most out of everything else is Star Wars because mm-hmm. in space you don't have to ask where the black person is from. <laughs> That planet over there. So, one of the things that I realized I did a lot of at growing up, and I, I realized it was a problem only recently, really, is that whenever I played a character, they wore a mask. They wore something over their face. Because, like, I realized that when I looked at Star Wars, the person I wanted to be was, like, Boba Fett and stuff like that. I don't want to be Lando, because Lando's kind of a scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not a scumbag. I'm just not that guy. And, like, I realized that the, the people who I like a lot are people who wear helmets. People who wear... Because the person underneath that helmet could technically be black. He could be black, maybe. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Possibly. Probably not, though. But... <laughs> so, like, that was something I did a lot. And I realized that it, it even seeped into, like, the, pe- the pl- characters I played at LARPs. Because the characters I played at LARPs tended to wear things over their faces mm-hmm. when yes. I played them. And it... Because that's what I thought looked cool. Mm-hmm. But I realized that all that really was was me going, that's what I think of when I think of cool people that look like me because there are none. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, dude. It's, it's, the struggle is real, man. <laughs> Except one. When I play Vampire, man, that, that, that was a pretty good one because uh, there's a lovely character who I love the most. Theo freaking Bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Theo <laughs> Bell. He's so cool. He's... Ah, goodness. Theo Bell's like one of the best because he's basically like an African-American. He's not from... He's a a slave who became a vampire and he grew up through America and he is intrinsically African-American. Yeah, he's he's through all of that struggle, all of the various different parts of history. it's just so... It's so relieving to just have a guy that's just like, that guy is my culture. He he is it. Personified. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's just, and the fact that he's not like a stereotype, he's not stupid, he's he's powerful in his own right. It's it's just so good to, to like have char- a character like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Theo Bell is like super awesome. Okay, so I'm gonna counter that because yeah. we talked about a little bit about <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah. Um. So Theo Bell's an awesome character. Vampire the Masquerade, very progressive. I love that game. What I didn't love was one of the characters in Vampire the Masquerade. Who was one of the seraphs of the Black Hand? Jalana mm. uh, Jav. Jalana Jav was one of the the seraphs of the Black Hand. One of the one of the the, the, the baddest of asses. Like like Theo Bell and Jalana Jav. Like like they were they were guys to be feared. Like crazy warriors. And I went through and I went and I read J- Jalana Jav's background. And I'm like, this is so cool. Like 
he's Mongolian, you know, like, and I'm like, oh, he's someone who could look like me, like, you know, because yeah. he's Mongolian. And I remember flipping through the book, I'm like, I wonder what this guy looks like. And he's like, he looks like a singer in Metallica. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah, he just looks like a fucking rock and roll guy. I'm like, this guy's like eight feet tall. He doesn't look Mongolian at all. Like, what did you do to me, books? Like, and I just, you know, and then, but I, but I do appreciate a lot of the stuff they, they, they do do in, in, in Vampire the Masquerade. And that's actually something with White Wolf books that I'm aware of is, is even, even recently they had the big, um, the big uh, convention uh, for White Wolf Entertainment that to sort of showcase what they're planning on doing with all the new 5th mm -hmm. edition vampire and all that stuff. And even they acknowledged a little bit of like, sort of the, the and I when I use the word immature, I don't mean to be derogatory. I mean like it was just not a mature, as mature it is as it could be today. Yeah. A lot of immature stereotyping, some Eurocentric stuff, a lot of stuff going, yeah, we're just 20 year olds writing some really cool stuff about vampires. We didn't know, we knew some stuff about the world, but this was even before the internet, like before you could do lots of research on many different cultures from around the world and try to get it accurate. And you probably didn't, a lot of these guys probably didn't know a lot of people of diversity. And so they couldn't be like, so what's, what, what were your experiences growing up in China or in Japan or in Africa or wherever? And so they're definitely taking a much more world centric view in the new world of darkness, they've already said, yes, we're going to have places in America for people who want to do stuff in America, but we're going to have stuff in Europe, we're going to have stuff in Africa, we're going to have stuff in the Middle East, we're going to have stuff in Japan, we're going to have stuff in Canada, in, in, in Central America, in South America. We're going to go everywhere because it is the world of darkness. And I, I thought, I was like, that's cool because I like, when I pick up a book, when I, when, and I talked to um, uh, the developer for Scion, I like reading mythology from other cultures. And so I want to read more about what other cultures are like, especially from a role-playing perspective, because you can see if they do the research right, it's educating me and entertaining me at the same time. And I, I think that's very good. And that and also, that's more inspiration for me as a GM to go, all right, this is the kind of game I want to run, guys. And this is how we're going to do it. And I have the proper reference to make a, uh, a good go out of it. So my players can feel like they're in that other place in the world, or they're dealing with that specific culture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, hmm. What else? What games are your favorites? Oh man. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, Monty Cook published a game called Numenera, um, yep. and Numenera is a great sci fantasy game. It's a fantasy heart heartbreaker that has techno technological stuff and this sort of wonderful vast dangerous uh land that he's created and it's really a lot of fun like i like exploring the world um everything has like really good production value uh, all the uh, all the worlds are are really well developed and i like it a lot oh uh eloy lasanta also made a game called amp year yes, one yeah. yes it did and that game is diverse as hell i love that game yep. it runs it runs pretty well there's a, there are a lot of ideas in that book that are that are, that are lots of fun you play superheroes and well not really superheroes but you kind of play people who have powers and dealing with powers yeah it's very aberrant-esque in yeah, my yeah, mind yeah. when i when i've looked through it it's very aberrant-esque but with a more uh, if we had getting a like a second or third edition aberrant book, mm -hmm. um, which we will eventually get, by the yeah, way, yeah. if anyone is an aberrant, I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, and what about you, Tevin? <laughs> right now, it's a... Uh... Well, okay, so favorite, hands down, fans like Star Wars. I love Star Wars. It's, yeah. it's, my, it's my jam. <laughs> it's a good game. There's some minor problems, but I love that game so much. Give me my freaking Bounty Hunter book. God damn it. But whatever. Okay. It's like the next book, isn't it? it like, is the it's next like book, it's the next so book. It's the long. book that's always coming. It's it, it's, like, it's always the, going to be released I next. Like, I it took like... so long. They supplements <laughs> for the other series they're making, and ah, uh. that book that line is three different main time yeah. periods, right? Mm -hmm. Well, no, it's, it, no, it's, it's three games following like three kinds of stories. Because mm -hmm. basically, you can follow like you can follow like smugglers and do like the basically you can be Han Solo. Like the the Edge of the Empire books are they're Han Solo esque. Yeah. Um, you could be straight up the rebels, like the Rebel Alliance mm -hmm. in the um, the Age of Rebellion, or you could be just straight up Jedi, like mm. just a bunch of Jedi, and do 
Jedi stuff. And, and that's probably one of my favorite, well, it's what the compliment I want to give to that series because I played the old school, um, the D20 and the original... West End Games. Thank you. West End Games version. And that was always the problem. How do you balance out Jedi with the rest of the group? And they were like, you know what? Let's just make them separate games. They're dealing with separate well, things. The cool part is you can interlace the books and there's rules on it. Like mm. there's specific rules on how to interlace the books. Mm -hmm. And I, it comes out pretty well because basically the way it rolls out is, um, yeah, you can be a Jedi. Bullets will still kill you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, will, you will get murdered by five droids. And, yeah. like, you just need to know that. Like, yeah. if these droids know what they're doing, you're just going to get murked by blasters. A lucky shot, as as my Jedi found out, it's all good. Yes, that yes, that Mandalorian might not have force powers, but if he crits you and cuts off your leg, well, you're just screwed. Yeah. <laughs> That's life in the big city, but man. My second one is, um, because it's very unique, because from a cultural standpoint, it's a Japanese game. Um, I love Tinder Bancho Z. Mm -hmm. It's I've yet to play that one. It's a hyper Japanese fantasy game, and it's it's basically like '90s Japanese anime where it's like Ooh. Trigun. It's very intense and grotesque, and like, but it's it's such a fast system, and the way you win is through shooting scenery and doing more role play. The harder yeah. you role play, the harder you scream at the heavens that you will defeat that guy. The more powerful you get, and the and the faster it is for you to beat that guy. Hell yeah, yeah it's that's awesome. So good, it's so fluent, but it also like. It's inherently Japanese because it fits their culture. It's mm. it's a game that's very unique in the way it works, mm -hmm. and it's just like it's meant to be played like in like three session things, and like it it has this. It has a specific like uh, like architecture, doesn't it? Yeah, basically what happens is um you essentially accrue input. You you accrue like points, and the more powerful you are, the the higher your karma rating goes. Your karma rating is basically it's it's your it's your power rating for all intents and purposes. When you hit 108, you if you end the session at 108 karma, you turn into an evil NPC. Oh, hmm. Um, you can go above it, but you just have to come down. Now, how do you come down? Well, basically, what happens is as you role play, you will accrue chips that basically you can spend for power. You spend them for power to do more to do more awesome things. Once you do the awesome thing. You have story points, and when you hit your story point, like let's say I'm trying to get revenge for my father, when I kill the guy, I can then use the fact that I completed that story to lower my karma. So the more you role play, the more powerful you get, the more you bump up your karma, which you then use to bring it back down, and it's just so freaking fluent that I'm just like, I, oh, it's so I gotta, I gotta good. at least play, I gotta play this. I gotta see how, I'm a, I'm a big systems guy, and I always like experiencing new different weird things so to see how it got put together it's it's very good i've played it multiple times i always want to play more it's top notch great uh and sean okay so i haven't actually played a lot of games lately but um mostly because of school stuff mm. but uh about a year or two ago um i got into steam like you know steam so i started you know downloading uh different games starting to get into it and when my birthday rolled around, of course, everyone kind of went down my wish list and started buying me games. So at a certain point, I got a bunch of game making software. Mm -hmm. So basically, RPG Maker VX Ace, that is, that is something I've been playing with a lot. But uh, currently, let's see here, games that I've been interested in was, oh, there's one called Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. Yes. So, mm -hmm. Really oh, creepy okay. game. I really like it. Um, the Fall, which was a really interesting twist for me. Basically, it's about an AI suit that has, for some reason, crash-landed on a planet, and she came there to get fixed because it was a known station. But everywhere, well, I say she, it's the AI unit speaking with a female voice. Right. Basically, she's like, hey, my human inside the suit is hurt. I need to get him somewhere so that he can be healed. So I liked it because it goes from the point of view of the AI suit rather than the person in the suit. And she is basically trying to get, you know, her commander fixed. And, but wherever she's landed at, something major has happened. And all the AIs on there are acting basically out of place. So as the story goes along, you slowly see that, okay, something has occurred here. However, it is a trilogy. I didn't realize so when I got to the end of the game and, you know, there's the cliffhanger. I'm like, what? <laughs> is this an artistic, is this just artistic license? Is this just how they wanted to end the game? It's it's amazing, but uh, that is basically some of the stuff I really like to play. Mm -hmm. It's just 
super out there stuff, some surreal stuff. I have a have a lot of stuff people downloaded. Ironically, the game that I have been playing lately, it's really weird. It's called uh, Olivia's Orphanarium. It's a text-based game. Mm-hmm. Now, I've never... Like I said, it's one of those things where I'm going backwards through stuff. Mm-hmm. I've never played a text-based game before. And I was like, okay, I'll see what this is like. And it's super addictive because <laughs> it still has the element of random things popping up and happening and you have to deal with it. But, you know, it's very story-based. There's no graphics whatsoever. So mm-hmm. it's like, here's a paragraph. Oh, crap, what do I do about that? You know, next step like that. So I really like that stuff. Uh, I actually would recommend if you're if you're okay with horror games... Um, but your uh, the fall actually reminded me of a game that I absolutely adore. It's called Soma. You need to play that game. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't say anything because the less you say about it, the more interesting that game is to whoever's watching. Now, does it have jump scares? Uh, f- yes. Um, it is a high tension game, but the science fiction element is so rich in that game that you'll if you start playing it, you'll you'll want to get through to it to understand more about what's going on and Here's why it's going you. on. It's a horror game. No jump scares. Because trust me, it doesn't need it because that game leaves you <laughs> terrified. Existentially. Yes. Um, Play The Bunker. It's a game called The Bunker. It is a, it is a game that was made like this year and it's basically a, it's a, it's kind of like an homage to those, um, those games back in the day where, where they used to film like real people to do the game mm-hmm. and like you oh yeah the, I can't remember what they're called uh, where, where you essentially film people like like, like it, there's no animation you're, yeah, yeah. You're, you're filming real people oh I, I know yeah, yeah it's a specific yeah. term I know that yeah but it's one of those games made today by a British huh. company and oh yeah I think I've heard about this because this stuff is R-E-W or something so like that so good because basically it follows a person who has grown up has grown their entire life inside of a bunker. And like as in like literally the bunker was meant for 80 like 86 people. There was enough food for 86 people to live a certain amount of time. And on the day that, that the nuclear bomb fell and blew up the earth, essentially they the, a woman came in there was pregnant and had a baby and everyone and now in the modern era, which is like 14 years, th- this guy's the only person left. And you're trying to figure, and it's like, and you're you're basically going through his life because he he lives on a schedule that he always follows. Interesting. Because he, that's that's what he has to do to live, and all the other people are just gone. Wow. And yeah, he's real messed up. It's 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 very horrific, but in a psychological horror, horror yeah. kind of. Yeah, way. yeah. See, I love. Here's I'm worried about this. I love the story of horror games, but sitting there playing them myself. Like, typically I'll watch, I admit, I'll watch Let's Plays, but that because it reminds me of my brother's playing games when I was younger. Like, uh, my brother borrowed Silent Hill from one of his friends. Oh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And his friend's like, whatever you do, don't watch this in the dark. So he, of course, is like, challenge accepted. Turn off all the lights in the house. And I'm sitting there with him while he's playing it. And it gets to the part where he goes down the alleyway and like the zombie creatures start reaching through the fence. We both scream <laughs> and just turn on all the lights in the house. Like, okay, that was a bad idea. <laughs> But it's like, I love the story behind that, even though it gets really weird down the line, which is something saying Silent Hill. But I really love this, the story elements of horror games. I'm like, okay, I would love to create a horror game, but <laughs> would I end up scaring myself so bad when I play it? Uh, there's another game called Franbo. Oh, that, that mm. game is super good. Super messed up. Jen recommended it to me and it's one of the few games where I'm starting to watch the let's play and I stop because I'm like okay I want to play this myself because I like how of course you know the whole flips between two different worlds but I also like how when you go back through it like uh, the guy I was watching he yeah. it didn't save right right so he had to go back and start it again but he's like hey I've noticed when I gave this response all these different things happened and I'm like Oh, it's one of those games where, you know, literally every choice you make decides what happens next. So I'm like, yep. I actually want to play this when I get a chance. So I remember back in the day, back before I really got into like RPGs, I used to do a lot of video games. I still do a lot of them right now, but like one of the things that always got me, even back then, because when I grew up, yeah, I grew up in a black neighborhood, but I was never like the most black guy so 
quote unquote. I, I would, I would, I was very critical back then of video games because they have these bad tropes where black people tend to, in most military shooters, which I love to play, black people are always Sergeant Avery Johnson. They're always Sergeant Avery freaking Johnson, where they're basically Major Payne from Major Payne from the movie, mm-hmm. and that's that's their that's their shtick. They're Major Payne, or they're worse. Because they could be the Coltrane. And I, I'll defend the Coltrane because he has character... He doesn't have character growth. But he has touching moments once. He has one. He has one touching moment. And if he'd had this touching moment in the first game, I would have been fine with it if he then died and got thrown into a blender. I have to ask, who is Coltrane? I was waiting for that. <laughs> so the Coltrane is from the Gears of War series. And basically... His character arc is this. The Coltrane, basically in the Gears of War series, there's this apocalypse of these alien creatures that come yeah. up from below. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. um, you had to fight them off. You're super buff guys with yeah. super awesome weapons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Machismo, machismo, you're super buff guy. Um, <laughs> the Coltrane, before the war, used to be a football player. And not just like a little like major league football player, where basically like he has his own cereal brand. Um called like whole grain oats or something like that (laughs) whole grain oats does not endorse polyhedron and basically like (laughs) he he has like catchphrases that he says and essentially his role in your party is he's your face because what happens is like you'll meet these people that are like we don't like the government and they'll be like holy shit though that's the coal train i love the coal train man come on in and like the only touching moment he really has when he's not screaming atop of his freaking lungs and stupid catchphrase is his catchphrase is the coal train runs on whole grain because of the stupid <laughs> cereal. <laughs> oh, man. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. That's his, that's his freaking thing. I don't know if I love this or hate this. He I'm has not... one touching moment that should have been done in the first game and then he should have died and went into the blender because there's a moment where he walks up to this cardboard cutout of him that's basically back when like he was playing football and it's him in his football gear and he looks, you know, normal. Like not not scarred up, not yeah. in armor. And like the 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 sign says, the cold trade runs on whole grain, baby, and it moves its arm and he looks at it and he's just like, You ever stop and think that you might already be dead and you just don't know it yet? Ooh. Oh, oh man. <laughs> oh man. Oh, wow. <laughs> but beyond that, I just every game, even Mass Effect has failed me. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's so sad. Because a freaking... His name's Jacob, right? The, the stupid... In, I haven't played Mass Effect. In Mass Effect 2, you can... One of your romance options is a black guy. Hmm. And he cheats on you. Like, like just straight up. Like, just straight up. You, 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 you get out of jail, and you're like... In 3, you're just like, Hey, Jacob, I was, I was dating you, and everything's good. And he's like... Oh well, while you were in jail, I got I found someone else, and you're just like what, what, what? <laughs> everyone else could wait. I dated everyone else, and they all waited. Why couldn't you wait? And it's just like, and and it's basically like a it's 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 a weird cop out because basically he's not in the game. So because he's not in, he's not a main character in three. So basically, like he just doesn't. I'm like it's so awkward. Because it's just like, he's the only one who does it. He's the only one that's just like, nah, dog, I found someone else. I ain't waiting. <laughs> so I have a question. Would you say that, um, we talked about our diversity in RPGs as in tabletop, because that's our what we were originally just talking about, but now you're talking about video games. Would you say that tabletop RPGs are a little more progressive than video games, or do you think video games are getting there? I mean, what's your opinion on all that? Mm. I mean, I feel like RPGs are pretty progressive. Oh, we're like, talking to tabletop. Oh, yeah, 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 I feel like tabletop RPGs are pretty progressive. Okay. I can really feel like, I feel like like those games, I mean, certainly in the culture, there's a, there's a certain amount of, hey, this is my thing, I don't know if you want to, if, if I want to let you into my thing. I would even but say they're, they're more, it's more progressive in that manner as well, because like, oh my god, every... So there's a little game called Rust. Oh, mm. no. Rust is a wonderful, wonderful social experiment in how people react to stuff. Because what Rust does is, Rust doesn't give you character creation options. Rust drops you in the world and says, you're black now. Goodbye. Mm. And 
whatever color, whatever skin color you are, and I believe at this point, whatever gender you are, is just automatically generated, and you don't have any control over it. So, people have been getting unique experiences with appearing in the world and then having racial slurs yelled at them, and it's like I'm white on the other end, but it doesn't matter. And That's very interesting. I had I had heard about Rust, but I I didn't remember that that part. But now that you you jogged my memory on it, that's really interesting. Yeah, um, I would say it's because there's still a lot of. Let's put it this way: name a black protagonist that is just straight up the protagonist in a a video game. That mm. that is not that is not you generate the character. Like he's just the protagonist, and he's just black. Huh. Or she. I can only think of one. But I'm trying to I could have sworn I know one or two. Oh, come on, man. Like I can I can think of two, but one of them he's like the secondary protagonist and it's not that the the prototype series in the second game you play a yeah. black person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and the only one I can think of is Assassin's Creed like Liberty. Yeah. You play oh black yeah. Mm-hmm. You play her in that. Um but beyond that, like yeah, I would have to say RPGs are like I think video games are they have room to grow, mm-hmm. but they still just stick with certain stereotypes, and it's like you can that's not well, necessarily I true. I would say the, the stereotypes have knocked down further, but they they play to the least common denominator with that. Like mm-hmm. they like they're they're playing to well most people who are gonna buy it's white, so I'm just gonna make a white guy and whatever. And the community is vocal enough in every direction that it's just like we're just gonna we're just gonna play it safe a lot of times um, yeah yeah like the, the closest one to that is like technically in halo 5 you could one of the main characters mm-hmm. is black yes mm-hmm. but he's not a good guy i mean he uh, as far as i know and i don't know a lot about halo 5 is that it's played from his perspective so yeah. he thinks he's the good guy, or at least he's thinking he believes his cause is just in what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, in, in his defense, like Master Chief really isn't the good guy either. But right. it's, it's just one of those things of like, you know, I just want one time for it just to be like I'm playing the good guy, mm-hmm. and he's yeah. just the good guy. He's just the good guy, and he's also black, or he's also any race. I wouldn't mind. Well, uh, we are running out of time, so let me pose this last question to the group. Um, Give what you think would be good advice for those who are listening and those who deal with people, other people of color in their gaming circles. What's the best advice that you could give them? Or give advice to people of color who are listening who want to, who want to make sure and, and like help bring diversity to their table. Uh, keep playing games because you'll find the right game. I was a part of a historical... Rec- uh, rec- like reenactment society for a yep. period and we had moved into a new area and i was like linking back up with that reenactment society and um when we got there i had my my my, my kit and when, when i say kit i mean my suit of armor uh this was one of the reenactment societies that actually used like wooden rattan sticks yeah this, the sca uh well something that's like the SCA. yeah okay got it uh we we show up to practice, and the the folks that we're, we're meeting, we, we go through practice. Practice is fine. I meet the marshals. The marshals are great. And one of the ladies pulls me aside, and it's like, hey, I just want to let you know, we've got some white supremacists that, that play in this, too. And I was like, and she's like, well, they just kind of keep to themselves. Well, this is something that could potentially be dangerous. Yes. These are people hitting each other with sticks. And I just felt so uncomfortable, like, in that moment. Like... And, and up until that moment, I felt like I was a part of the group. Like, I was just going to be, I was just going to be, like, I'm just, I was just going to be part of it. And then all of that in that moment was, like, taken away from me. You were suddenly separated. Yeah. Like you were, you're like, you starkly were aware that there was a difference. Yeah, and I was not welcome. So, and then I left, and I, I tell everyone that story. I tell them not to go to that thing. Um, and I just, you know... And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna keep gaming. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna find a new game. And if I can't find one, I'm gonna make a fucking game. <laughs> like I'm gonna, I'm gonna make my own game. I'm going to go out and and play because this is what I love. Mm-hmm. This is my thing too. And I wanna, I wanna interact with people and tell good stories and do all that fun stuff. So yeah, just keep telling stories and just keep gaming. 
That's my advice. Um, for those who want to get into it, who are just like us, that's, yeah, echo what David said. Like, you just got to keep playing. You just got to keep going. Like, it's going to be awkward. Um, trust me, trust, trust us when we say most of the time they don't mean it. They, they, they just yeah, I was going to say something like, most, 99%, 9%, they're not meaning it. They're just being weird and yeah, awkward. They, they don't, don't know how to handle the best it. way to approach the situation. And for the, for the other side, I'd say, well, just act like nothing is different. Like, when you act, the most I can ask for is just treat me like you treat anyone else. Because that's all I want. That's all I want. <laughs> I'm just another player. Don't think about it too hard. <laughs> yeah. um, I would have to say for, for those who want to join, um, literally just talk to people. Just mm-hmm. just interact with people normally, everything like that. Like I have been lucky in all the groups that I've gained with that it never came up that I was black. It was never an issue on the table whatsoever. And I know that if someone had made it an issue on the table, like 99.9% of all the people I game with will have something to say to them. Yeah. And And for those on the other side, oh, also for those who want to game, understand they're going to ask you questions. And it's going to be awkward, but just have patience with them because they're literally asking because they are actually curious and they're trying to take an interest in you. So there are certain things that like culturally they don't understand that that might be wrong. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just talk to them on the other side, you know, just be welcoming to them, be understanding. And if you're going to ask questions, be, you know, be, be polite and tactful about it. And because there's going to be awkward instances, no matter what, it's, it's just going to be a thing that happens, but there are ways to handle them correctly. Right. And, and, I, and my advice out there is basically is mirrors a lot of what Sean is saying is be patient, be polite. And they are awkward now, but if you keep doing it, if we all keep doing it, it will become less awkward and then it will sort of just fade and everything will start blending together and everything will be just fine because we'll just be people having fun playing the game that we like to all play. Um, So we got to wrap it up. So um, if people want to get in touch with all of you guys, do you have ways of doing so? Um, Either via Twitter, email, or anything that you want to give out? Yeah, if you want to get hold of me, um, you can reach me at... The, the play together project, so one word, gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll actually want the same thing because that's basically how yeah, you, yeah. Get, you get meet me as well. Yeah. <laughs> so we can, you can totally get us that way. Yeah. If you have any a twofer. All right. All right. Um, for me, at Twitter, you can get me at uh, roguemint42 mm-hmm. on Twitter. Also, my email address, uh, Lori's at the Atelier. At gmail.com. Okay. That's also my little art business, so yeah. Very cool. Uh, excellent. If you want any art, go to Sean. Um, <laughs> as always, I am at BioImportance. And if you want to talk to about the podcast in general, we are we have our own Twitter account. It's at PolyhedronCast. Um, if you want to send feedback, and if you don't feel like talking to these people directly, but you want to give feedback about the show and this episode, you can always do it at PolyhedronPodcast at gmail.com. And finally, if you are super interested and you like what we're doing here and you want to support us, head on over to patreon.com slash polyhedron and think about donating, becoming a patron, become one of my bosses so that I can bring you more and more content like this. Also, back on the feedback, if you guys want these guys back on the show, uh, which I'm happy to have them back on the show, please give me feedback. I want to know what you guys think. Um, And so from everyone here at Polyhedron, go where your fun is.